Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. أؤمن به واستعينه واستجيره واستهديه فإنه حق من هدى الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وأصلي وأسلم وأبارك على محمد النبي الأمين خاتم الرسل أجمعين المرسل رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن اتبعه بإحسان إلى يوم الدين So many things that 
that happen these days that it is sometimes difficult to keep up. But from my perspective, the most pressing issue was and remains the type of Islam that people possessed of money and wealth are trying to craft and shape for generations to come. The type of Islam that is being engineered, engineered carefully and meticulously so that it can become the faith that all Muslims are supposed to embrace. What is the earmark of this Islam? What are the highlights of this Islam? Well, you want to understand something, look at its consequences, look at its concrete results. It is an Islam that shelters wealth uncritically and unethically. It is an Islam that is displayed in the fancy hotels of Mecca and Medina. In the enormous amount of wealth that is handled in the holy cities, it is an Islam that does not stand up to dictators or despots. It is an Islam that doesn't even have anything to say about injustice or oppression. It is an Islam that keeps the wealthy wealthy and the poor poor and the oppressed oppressed and the privileged privileged. It is an Islam that celebrates Abu Dhabi and Dubai and Riyadh and the type of Cairo that the current Egyptian government dreams of. It is an Islam that doesn't even have anything to say to Islamophobes. You can insult Muslims, you can hate Muslims, you can vilify Muslims, you can ban Muslims. And this Islam has nothing to say to you other than, please, please don't even, it doesn't even ask you not to hate us.
It just says, please tolerate us. Please endure us. Allow us to exist. It is an Islam that sees a holocaust in China and continues to do business as usual with the Chinese. It is an Islam that sees the plight of the Rohingyas and talks about sovereign national states and sovereign borders and treats the Rohingyas as refugees that have no rights. It is not even an Islam that will put pressure on a country like Myanmar to bring even modest effects on the genocide against the Rohingyas. It is an Islam, it is an Islam that celebrates Hindu nationalists even when they destroy mosques and even when they usurp Kashmir. It is an Islam that sits, stands idly by as Jerusalem is usurped, as an Aqsa mosque occupied, and as Palestinian lands are annexed, and as Palestinian refugees live permanently, permanently in refugee camps. It is an Islam that can see UNRWA defunded, but has nothing to say. It is an Islam that basically says all our sermons, all our khutbas, all our lessons and classes and durus are about how to pray, how to do wudu, how to wear your hijab, but nothing more. There's nothing else. It is a stillborn Islam. It is a dead Islam. It is an Islam very different than the Christianity that inspires and directs the policies of countries like Poland or the papacy in Rome or even the Christianity that inspires the idea of Judeo-Christian civilization. It is an Islam very different than the Judaism that inspires and propels settlers that steal Palestinian lands and that build up Israel as the new dominant superpower in the Middle East. It is an Islam that has abandoned life and said basically for no gains Islam that is solely focused on materialism and profit that keeps intact 
all the inequities, the racial inequities, the class inequities, the gender inequities, all of them keeps them intact. And the only thing that it is interested in is how you do your ibadah, what you, how you restrict women, how you ban music, trivial, insignificant, silly Islam. An Islam that folds easily before evangelists and Christian missionaries. An Islam that doesn't even oppose zealous Zionists who are colonizing the lands of Palestinians. An Islam that doesn't even oppose communists determined on the extermination of Muslims. Yes, this is the issue that keeps me up at night. This is the issue that engages me night and day. Because frankly, this Islam is our fault, your fault. Because we continue to celebrate and pay homage to and show inordinate interest in those who represent Islam through pietistic fictions and mythological stories who entertain us instead of teach us. When a people have no standards that relate to ethics or justice, they get what they deserve. They get what they deserve. Recently, there was an ISNA convention. What did the people in the ISNA convention talk about? In the midst of everything, who, were the, who was their keynote speaker? About race, no less. Who has most, who is listened to the most, who's considered the most effective Muslims, or who are considered the most effective Muslims in the West and elsewhere? Is it the Muslims who talk about justice and principles and ethics? Or the Muslims who tell you pietistic stories that keep you entertained? But don't disturb your world otherwise because their entire religiosity is performance of rituals and rituals and more rituals.
Today I wake up on the news that now Bahrain has entered a peace treaty with Israel. Mind you, Bahrain has never been at war with Israel. So what does a peace treaty with a country that you've never been at war with mean? It means one thing. Normalization of relations with Israel. At whose expense? Is it at the expense of the Bahrainis? No. As I said, the Bahrainis were never at war with Israel. But clearly, it is at the expense of the Aqsa Mosque. It is at the expense of Jerusalem. It is Al-Quds. It is at the expense of Palestinians. You might be tempted to say, well, you know, you can't talk about something else other than the Palestinians. Well, what has the Bahrainis or the Emiratis or the Saudis or any Muslim country done for the Chinese Muslims who are undergoing currently, this moment, a full-scale holocaust? What have they done to the Rohingyas? What have they even done to Islamophobia? Recently, recently, a newspaper in Paris republished the cartoons that are obscenely slander the prophet. The president of France was visiting Lebanon at the time, and when he was asked about it, he lectured Muslims on the principles of freedom of speech. He didn't even condemn the cartoons. He didn't even say, they offend me, but you know, freedom of speech, there's nothing I can do about it. He didn't even bother doing that. And he was welcomed in Lebanon as a savior, mind you. Imagine... Imagine if a newspaper in Paris, the same newspaper, published an article denying the Holocaust. I'll tell you what would, be ha what would happen. They would be prosecuted under French law because in, under French law, if you deny the Holocaust, it's not considered free speech. It's considered a criminal offense. Imagine if the same newspaper talked about Israel as a colonial state. Now in France, there are laws that certain critiques of Israel was count as anti-Semitism among them, calling Israel a colonial state. Imagine what the French president would have said then. Would he have talked about freedom of speech and let it go that? In the United States, the policies pursued and implemented by the American government that if you receive Title VII money, 
You're not allowed to engage in criticism of Israel. It's considered anti-Semitism. Where are all the defenders of freedom of speech? Where are all the people who lecture Muslims about freedom of speech? But even worse, the utter silence of Muslims, even when their prophet is vilified. Azhar didn't say anything. Other, it actually, Azhar issued a statement that is very meek, very weak, worthless. Darul Fatwa in Egypt did nothing. All the religious authorities in Saudi did nothing. The Emirat, the, the country of so-called tolerance, did nothing. The Bahrain, who now enters into a normalization agreement with Israel, did nothing. Nothing. In fact, we are told that peace means being friends with the Islamophobes. Welcoming Daniel Pipes and Stephen Emerson and Robert Spencer as dignified interlocutors. But you don't welcome Khalid Abu al-Fadl. Now there, no, we don't know tolerance. We don't know freedom of speech. We don't know about reconciliation. You don't welcome anyone that tells us don't make peace with Israel, make peace with Qatar. Or don't be at war, at war with the Turks. Or don't be at war with the Iranians. There. No, no, we, we, we don't. Islam is suddenly not a call for reconciliation and peace and coexistence. Islam tells us to be hostile to Qatar, hostile to Turkey, hostile to Iran. But friends with the Islamophobes and friends with those who steal Palestinian lands and steal the Aqsa Mosque. What type of Islam is being crafted and engineered? And why? All of this because Trump is coming up for re-election and he is nominated to the Nobel Peace Prize so that he can claim a fictitious victory in hope of re-election. Once again, Muslims pay the bill for the internal conflicts of internal conflicts that they have nothing to do with. Trump can insult Muslims as much as he wants, can retweet anti-Islamic videos as much as he wants, can talk about a fictitious general in the Philippines who, who dipped bullets in the blood of pigs before executing Muslims. And he tells this story favorably, that it was a good thing that an American general supposedly executed a bunch of armed, unarmed civilian Muslims 
after dipping the blood, the, the bullets in the blood of pigs. He can do all of that. He can ban Muslims, he can hate Muslims, he can support Islamophobes, he can be an Islamophobe, he can congratulate Islamophobes. He can do all of that. And we help him get nominated to a Nobel Peace Prize. That's the Muslim response. Last week, the Imam of the Haram, the Imam in Mecca, Sudais, delivers a khutbah from the podium of the Prophet ﷺ. In this khutbah, he is clearly calling for normalization of relations with Israel. From the Haram, he doesn't talk about the Aqsa Mosque. He suddenly got amnesia about the Aqsa Mosque. He also got amnesia about Jerusalem. He also got amnesia about the annexation, the continuing annexation of Palestinian lands. He also got amnesia about the numerous crimes that Israel committed against Palestinians and other Arabs. And he only remembers that we don't, we should not make war with Jews, according to him. Well, obviously, We've never had an issue with Jews. That was never the issue. Of course we make peace with Jews and love Jews and welcome Jews. Our issue is with those who annex Palestinian lands, those who steal Jerusalem, those who deny a Palestinian state the right to even exist. Okay, the Emirat normalized relations with Israel. Now the Bahrain normalized relations with Israel. So they stood in the podium of the Prophet calling for the normalization of relations with Israel. What if tomorrow the Palestinian Authority dared to declare an independent Palestinian land? Will Israel say, oh, we have you know, an agreement with the Bahrainis and Emiratis. We're not going to do anything about it. I assure you, Netanyahu would immediately order the invasion and annexation of what remains in the hands of the Palestinian Authority. Even if Gaza declares an independent Palestinian country, Gaza would be promptly invaded. This is what Netanyahu's government has made painfully clear. 
Don't you dare declare an independent Palestinian country because if you do, we'll slaughter you. And what do we do? Normalized relations with Emirat, normalized relations with Bahrain, tomorrow normalized relations with Saudi. So they stood on the podium of the Prophet telling us peace is good, obviously. Peace is always good. But the logic is, tells you the extent to which they take Muslims for granted and the extent to which they have no respect for Muslims. Well, if we make peace with them, maybe we'll attract them to Islam. Maybe they'll be so impressed by us as Muslims, as nice little boys and girls, that they will convert to Islam. Netanyahu has spoke to Arabs from Saudi and spoke to Arabs from the Emirat. Did he speak to them in Arabic? No, he spoke to them in Hebrew. You learn my language. I'm not even going to talk to you in English. You go out of your way to adopt my culture. You speak to me in Hebrew. Congratulate me about Hebrew or Jewish occasions. Do I acknowledge your culture? Absolutely not. Am I even supposed to respect your culture? Absolutely not. The writing on the wall is so obvious. So this on the podium of the Prophet tells us that we must always prefer normalizations of relations with non-Muslims. And that Allah commanded us to always make peace with non-Muslims. But apparently Sudais forgot Surah Al-Muntahina, which couldn't be clearer لا ينهاكم الله عن الذين لم يقاتلوكم في الدين ولم يخرجوكم من دياركم أن تبروهم وتقسطوا إليهم إن الله يحب المقسطين إنما ينهاكم الله عن الذين قاتلوكم في الدين وأخرجوكم من دياركم وظاهروا على إخراجكم أن تولوهم Allah doesn't prohibit you to make peace and be kind to non-believers. 
But Allah prohibits you from making peace with those who expel you from your lands and annex your lands and steal the Aqsa Mosque. Yes, but Sudan's got amnesia. He recited the first portion of the ayah, this ayah in Surah Al-Muntahina. That Allah doesn't prohibit you from making peace, but, but left the second portion. But Allah does prohibit you when it comes to people who occupy your lands and expel you from your homes. But this past week, it is not just Sudais who gives a khutbah. That, and it's not just Bahrain that enters into a normalization agreement. But news of more arrests in the Emirat and Bahrain and Saudi of more religious scholars. But not only that. One of the banks in Israel that is a main finance, financer of Israeli settlements in Palestinian lands, one of the banks that is one of the main sources of finance to Israeli settlers that annex illegally and unlawfully annex Palestinian lands signed an entire business deal with the Emirat. A business deal that is going to earn this bank billions of dollars. So now, Palestinian lands will be annexed with Muslim money. Let's not forget. Let's not forget that this is the same Sudes on that same podium of the Prophet ﷺ, who shortly after Trump was elected, or actually it's not shortly after he was elected, it was shortly after the murder of Gamal Khajugji. And in a visit to Washington, D.C., he said the same thing. Ignored all of the insults Trump has heaped upon Islam and Muslims. Ignored the fact that he is supported by evangelical Christians who dream of converting Muslims everywhere in the world. Ignored the fact that Every Islamophobic organization in the country supports the Trump administration. Ignores that Trump and his supporters finance Islamophobic organizations. 
ignores the fact that Israel helps finance the Islamophobic organizations. And so this says MBS and Trump will lead the world to peace. And at the time, I warned about that. And I was told you're being paranoid. You're being, you're seeing danger where danger is not there. Oh, it's just rhetoric. Well, that rhetoric today. Remember when Trump moved the U.S. Embassy and very openly said, see, people told me I shouldn't do it because the Muslim world will erupt in anger. But see, nothing happened. Some people tell me, well, you know, don't focus on Arabs. Remember, Arabs are only a small percentage of Muslims in the world. Okay, fine. What have non-Arab Muslims done? Did non-Arab Muslims, did the Muslims of Indonesia and Pakistan and Malaysia erupt in anger when Israel annexed Jerusalem? Did they erupt in anger when the U.S. recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital and stole the Aqsa Mosque? Did non-Arab Muslims vow not to make business with the Emirat now that the Emirat has become a major ally in Israeli settler, the Israeli settler colonial project? Are non-Arabs now vowing to boycott Bahrain? For those who tell me, well, you know, they're non-Arab Muslims, don't forget that they're, you know, as if they're, as if they, they're different. At this point, the Al Saud family has abused the heck out of the Hijaz, Mecca, and Medina. As far as I'm concerned, they are no longer legitimate guardians of the two holy sites. Where are the non-Arab Muslims? Are non-Arab Muslims challenging Al Saud's sovereignty over the Hijaz? Are they vowing not to go to Hajj as long as this family continues to hold and usurp Al Hijaz? Are they demanding that Al Hijaz be under clean hands, ethical, moral, Islamic hands? Either the Al Saud family cleans up its act or surrender Al Hijaz to those who can. Because they at this point are clearly traitors. They betrayed every Islamic cause imaginable. From the Holocaust in China to Rohingyas in Myanmar to Palestine and Jerusalem. Where are these non-Arab Muslims? Where are they? I'll tell you where they are. They in the United States. They're intoxicated with the classical traditional doctrines of Zaytuna, 
and the Sufi rants. Mythological, fantastical rants of Hamza Yusuf and his like. They don't care about Jerusalem. They don't care about the Rohingyas. They don't care about the Holocaust in China. They care about someone who tells them a story about piety and its fantastical wonders and the pleasures of heaven and entertainment. Religiosity has become entertainment. That same Al Saud family is now imitating Israel in expelling indigents from their homes, homes that they've inhabited for hundreds of years, expelling them to make a way for an economic project that will make the rich richer, but will not benefit one iota. Those who are not privileged. And that economic project accrues mostly for the benefit of Israel. The so-called Neon project. That same system that wants in you Islam has done the unthinkable. Hundreds of mosques, hundreds of mosques in Egypt torn down and destroyed. Some of the mosques that have been torn down and destroyed are historical monuments. Some of the mosques are hundreds of years old. The Egyptian government has done in Egypt more than Israel has done to Palestinians since 1948 in terms of destroying homes and destroying mosques. In just one year, the Egyptian government has destroyed more mosques in Egypt than Israel has destroyed since its establishment. And the new Islam, absolute silence. In the same way that there was absolute silence about insulting the prophet in France, absolute silence about Jerusalem, absolute silence about, not just absolute silence, but the Egyptian government actually handed in. There were Chinese students studying at Azhar the Egyptian government turned them into the Chinese government so they can be put in concentration camps. Now they're destroying historical monuments, mosques, not, not a single church. Because again, 
these crazy ideas about new investments and the Neom project and making Cairo ready for the influx of the new business that's going to come from Saudi and the Emirat and Bahrain and Israel. And apparently mosques, the, these investors don't like mosques in, in the areas where they want to put their investments. So they just bulldoze them. Could it have been imaginable that a Muslim country would destroy well over a thousand mosques and the Azhar is silent, the Mufti of Egypt is silent, the Shiyukh of Saudi are silent, the Shiyukh of Emirat are silent, the Shiyukh of Bahrain are silent, the Shiyukh of the United States are silent, the Shiyukh of Britain are silent, the Shiyukh of Canada are silent. They continue to talk about hijab, and they continue to talk about salah, and they continue to talk about how you wash your ears, and how you wash your, I don't know what, or how you wash your, I don't know what. And what is, what is it that they hang on? Oh, these are political matters. Just trust those in, who are in authority. Because Islam teaches us obedience. Obedience to those in authority. Don't question their judgment when it comes to betraying the Palestinians. Don't question their judgment when it comes to the Holocaust in China. Don't question their judgment when it comes to the treatment of the Rohingyas. Don't question their judgment when they support maniacal fascists like the Sisi in Egypt. Don't question their judgment when it comes to destroying mosques. Don't question their judgment when it comes to the mass slaughter in Sina. Don't question their judgment in when it comes to the mass slaughter in Yemen. Don't question their judgment when they support a crazy fanatical military in Libya that has a horrible human rights record. Don't question their judgment because Allah wants you to obey and obey blindly. You want to worship that God? Worship that God. I will not worship that God. That God, I will never worship. A God who tells me, obey the unjust. A God that tells me, obey the unjust, will never be my God. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وسبحان الله العلي العظيم ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد النبي الأمين خاطب النبيين المرسل رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وأصحابه وتوب إحسان إلى يوم الدين You notice today that the first again within the voice of a woman and it just so happens to be that this woman is Grace, my wife. Some of you will say, Haram! The voice of a woman is Aura. Okay, fine. 
I will discuss this with you. But first, liberate Al-Aqsa Mosque, and then we'll talk about it. First, prevent Israel from annexing and stealing Palestinian lands, and then we'll talk about it. First, stop China from the Holocaust they're committing against Muslims, and then we'll talk about it. I am sick and tired of this stupidity. I don't care. Frankly, I don't care anymore whether the voice of a woman is out or not. I don't care. Because the disaster we are confronting is of proportions that I have nothing to say to those who care. What do you say? What do you say about a religion that wants to silence half of the population of the world? If you are aroused by a woman doing adhan, commit yourself to a mental institute immediately. And this is all I have to say to you. Run, rush, get help. Because you're ill, you're sick. You need urgent care. A report just came out by the Watson Institute in Brown University. This report doesn't talk about how to do your wudu. Doesn't talk about the voice of a woman being aura. Doesn't tell you fantastical entertaining stories. Doesn't tell you how to wash this part of your body or that part of your body. Doesn't tell you how to do salah correctly. This report is called Creating Refugees. Displacement caused by the United States post 9-11 wars. A devastating report. A report that stabs you in the heart. Since the U.S. began its war on terror, the U.S. has forcibly displaced at least, at least, 37 million Muslims from Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, Philippines, Libya, and Syria. And that number, the at least 37 million Muslims, exceeds those displaced by every war since 1900 except World War II. It exceeds the number of those displaced during the colonial age. Millions more, other than the 37, have been displaced involving U.S. troops in smaller combat operations, including in Burkina Faso, 
Cameroon, Central African Republic, Chad, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mali, Niger, Saudi Arabia, and Tunisia. All Muslim-majority countries. 37 million is a conservative estimate. The total, the total displaced by the U.S. post-9-11 war is closer to 48 to 59 million Muslims. 48 to 59 million Muslims. Even Muslim terrorists murdered 4,000 in 9-11. Corona killed close to 200,000. And that doesn't bother the administration. Because the Muslim terrorists killed 4,000, the U.S. invaded two Muslim countries, bombed, bombed at least 12 Muslim countries, and caused 48 to 59 million Muslims to lose their homes and to become refugees. Meanwhile, meanwhile, while we've done that, Trump is elected president partly on an anti-Muslim rant, institutes the Muslim ban, says Muslim hate us and I don't know why, so let's ban them. The Supreme Court of the United States upholds the ban as constitutional while at the same time overruling Kuramatsu, which makes absolutely no sense. Kuramatsu, the Japanese detention case from World War II. Trump hasn't mitigated his anti-Muslim rhetoric and rants Muslims, meanwhile, reward the Islamophobes for their hatred of Islam by saying, bravo, bravo. We'll give you money for hating Islam and insulting Muslims. We'll sign treaties with you. We'll even help you get reelected, our dear friend, by normalizing relations with the likes of Netanyahu who has more Muslim blood on his hands than can you can possibly count. Forty-eight to fifty-nine million Muslims displaced. And then you have the likes of Zaytuna that says Trump is our leader, the Muslim ban is not so bad. Bravo, Trump. But that's, of course, because of their link with the Emirat. I am sure that I am the only khatib that speaks in a khutbah about a report like this. And that is the problem. Most of our khatibs can't even speak English. 
He can't even construct a sentence in English. But even if they did, they don't condemn autocrats. They don't condemn despots. They don't speak for justice. They don't even defend. They, yes, they'll say, oh, Islamophobia is horrible. Let's teach them the true Islam. That's because you're an idiot. It is not about teaching them the true Islam. It's about exactly what you tell Muslims to stay out of, and that is politics. Islamophobia is about dominance and control. Is about Israel becoming a superpower in the Middle East and about converting Muslims all around the world to Christianity. That is what Islamophobia is about. It's about power dynamics. It's not about knowledge and teaching them the true Islam. What do I say? If you are interested, and again, it kills me that I know very few Muslims are going to read a report like this. And therein is the problem. If you are still interested in whether the voice of a Muslim of a woman is aura, after you learn that the US since 9-11 has displaced close to 48 to 59 million Muslims, made them into refugees without proper water, without proper income, without proper shelter, has made them into a ripe, ripe territory or ripe product for radicalization. When you turn people into refugees, you've created a potential terrorist. If you're still interested in talking about whether a Muslim woman's voice is an aura or not, I have nothing to say to you. I don't even want, don't even bother with a response to you. Let me hear you first address a catastrophe like this. And then perhaps, if I'm still alive, we can talk. Allahumma afu'anna. Allahumma khfirlana. Allahumma arhamna, ya Rabbal Alameen. Allahumma hadina li aqraba min hadha rashada, ya kareem, ya rahman, ya rahim. Allah forgive us our sins. Allahumma grant us your love and your guidance and your light. Bring us closer to the truth and to justice and to beauty. For these are what you are, Ya Ali Azim. Wa qim salah.